Yes, we're still flogging the dead horse, the Roar, unbeaten this decade. We've got a lot to talk about on this edition of the Brisbane Football Review, starting right now. Adam, who's off trying to secure a permanent transfer to Europe, we've brought in... Actually, I didn't really think this through. We've brought in another guy called Scott. Hi, Scott. How are you? Hey, James. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, so Scott McCormick, you may know him from uh, his YouTube videos, Twitter and whatnot. I'm going to have to work out how to differentiate between the two of you, aren't I? <laughs> I thought that might be a little bit of a problem, but we'll work through it, I reckon. Am I being replaced here? <laughs> actually, now that you mention it... <laughs> yeah. Well, to be fair, you're the only one that hasn't actually really missed a show so far, so we might wind up needing a... Uh... This is my strategy. If I do, so keep turning up, you can't get rid of me. You say that, but I've done that on a couple of jobs and that hasn't been the case. <laughs> anyway, so Scott, uh, why don't you give everyone a little bit of an introduction to yourself? We'll uh, let you have the floor for a little while and then we'll get into the show properly. Awesome. So yeah, my name is Scott McCormick. Um, I've done a bit of YouTube videos in the past. Uh, Miss Doctor 7A is my YouTube channel. I mainly do videos about the Brisbane Roar and uh, sort of on Twitter and... Brisbane supporters group on Facebook and post all the news about there and have a bit of a chat to the community about the Roar and football in general and I just really like love the football in Brisbane and the Brisbane Roar and I just it's my passion and I'm just like glad to be here and talking to the boys about the football today. Definitely. Well, we're very glad to have you on board. Now, just remember the important thing. Don't make the mistake of what uh, our previous guest, Angela, made and managed to swear in. I think it was her second episode. Are you sure? I don't think it took that long. I really don't <laughs> think it took that long. That's it. Well, we've only had four people swear so far in the show. And, um... and three of them were Angela. So <laughs> It's right. She's overseas. She won't hear this. It's fine. Yeah, I think she stopped downloading as soon as she stopped um, being a guest on this. But yeah. if she didn't, we'll probably find out with an angry email before too long. Anyway... So, yeah, we'll get into a couple of quick plugs before we get into it. Uh, email brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Facebook, we're still the Raw Review. We're trying to change that to Brisbane Football Review, but uh, Mr. Zuckerberg's got some other issues to deal with. Then we've also got uh, Twitter, at BNE Football. On those social accounts, you can keep up with all the scores, news, um, and with the NPL starting up pretty soon as well. We'll be keeping updates on them. Uh, you're listening to this podcast probably on iTunes, uh, Wooshka, Spotify, I think you even play it through Facebook now, but uh, Scott, how do you listen to the show? I listen through iTunes. Okay, there we go. Good to know where that's where one of our downloads comes from then. That's the third listener, it's great. <laughs> yeah, mum, dad and him. Yeah. And although, to be fair, Adam might actually be downloading from uh, overseas, so I look forward to the one download from yeah, Spain. I think he's trialling at um, an 8th Division club at the moment, so maybe not. Speaking of, we, we uh, did have the agreement, if he does try to Skype in while we're recording, we're just ignoring it, right? Of course. Okay, good. You're, you're all set there, Scott. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. 
So, um, oh yeah, and the other thing is you may also be listening to us on Football Nation Radio, if you are. Hi. Okay, let's get into it. Segment one, I think we've uh, stored long enough, and that's going to be the A-League review. It was a 1-0 win for the Raw down in Gosford as they beat the Mariners again. And I'm giving the 86-minute goal uh, to Corey Brown because, well, he's back on the Raw now, so we have to like him. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, it was definitely not the the most amazing game. We started off really well, and then sort of just nothing happened towards the end of the game. And we started off well. Where they started off well, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get there. <laughs> definitely. But uh, yeah, no, you're right. It was it was an interesting game. I it didn't really reach that many heights, but it's what we're starting to see a lot more from the Raw now, where they might not necessarily be dominating games start to finish, but they're finding ways to drag out results. Absolutely. I think the goal was officially given to Corey Brown. I agree with Scotty. I think the first half was a bit of a struggle for both sides. I don't think too much happened. There wasn't a great deal of chances really when you look back on it. I think there was that, that flurry of a chance early in the second half. I think Mariners hit the post twice and then it went straight down the other end and Eamon had an amazing chance. Outside that, it was a real midfield struggle between two sides who have improved on their performances of last year and they're just trying to trying to find a way through. And I think it was a real struggle to find a way through and eventually the Raw got there with a I'm going to give it a well-placed shot to the bottom corner from Corey Brown. I'll be nice to him, but I think even he admits it was a cross, but it went in and that's all that matters. Exactly. And th- I suppose that's a big thing that I'm taking away from these raw performances so far this year where they're able to get punched in the mouth and actually bounce back. Yeah, definitely, because last last year when the Raw was playing games like that, even though they might have been the better team on the day or, or we dominated possession, we weren't getting those results. So it's good to see games like that where we do get a result because it's definitely great things to happen for our top six ambitions. Yeah, exactly. And I think what we're seeing with the league as well is, I'm pretty sure I've said this for the last four weeks or so, but the fact that they're just getting the results there now, but they're getting the results. That's the important thing. Like I'd obviously love to see them you know, come out and win a game 3, 4, 5, nil, but... At the bottom, at the end of the day, it's results that matter. It is, and they put themselves in a good position at the moment, actually, because they do have a game in hand on most of the sides they're chasing for a spot in that top six, if you like. So they've put themselves in a good spot with the five-game unbeaten run, and they've got that game in hand. Now, I think so. If they can continue to build on it over the next two weeks, obviously this weekend could be more difficult given who they're playing. We'll talk about that later. But if they can go on, say, a uh, unbeaten run of like eight out of nine or something like that, you can really see them pushing into that top six and maybe even pushing into the top four area where you can host the final because. It is extremely tight from about third down to about ninth at the moment. There's not a lot between those sides in terms of their performances and also the table. So it's there's still a lot to play for for the Raw. Definitely. And as uh, regular Scott just reminded me, we should probably hear from the Raw manager, Robbie Fowler. Um, well, yeah, look, I think, we, uh, I think we're, we're quietly going along. Um, relatively happy with the way we are. Um, last week it was, you know... A good, good performance. Um, this week was was a good performance in terms of what we want from the lads. Um, you know, we've come here, tough place. You know, the weather and the conditions um, were probably not kind to both teams. Uh, but look, you know, we we've done a good job. Um, you know, we've kept another clean sheet, which is good. Uh, but we're five games unbeaten. Um, and looking, it was the third time we played the Mariners, and you know, we've had three tough games. Um, and you know, we'll come away with, with two victories and you know, and, and a draw. But um, I think we're, we're in a good place at the minute. All right, so that was Robbie Fowler there after the match. And you have to think, like, I'm curious to know where his mindset is about the team performance at the moment because he's giving plenty of players opportunities, most notably Dylan Wenzel-Halls, who came into the starting lineup for this game. Scott Jr. Jr., what did you think of that? <laughs> yeah, I definitely thought it was... Uh... A good way for Dylan to get his confidence up and get a bit of more games. I mean, it was a little bit invisible, but I think he did get a lot of service today uh, on the other game. But 
in saying that, though, he is giving players a lot more game time on form. So it's it's good to see a lot more players coming through instead of just at the start where he's sort of stuck with his team that he thought was maybe going to get the results. But he's decided to change enough, and I think it's for the better. It's interesting because he does give a lot of young players an opportunity, but it's normally one or two games here, take them out, another one or two games later. So it's interesting to see if Dylan can get a regular run of games, I think. I think his performance off the bench against um, Wellington the week before really necessitated this start because I do think he was really impressive. He did add a lot of spark to that front though, making good runs in behind. They didn't really get, make the most of it on, on Saturday afternoon. I think he was offside a couple of times in the first half, which is which happens when you don't play regular football all the time. So I do think he, he did add something there because he made to look to make those runs, which stretched the Mariners' defence, which helped him. But I just, it's an interesting spot with the way he does bring them in and out. Just, it's interesting because you, you see it a few times. You'd love to see a young player get eight, nine games in a row to really build that confidence in the side. So if Dylan can go on and do that, it's tough competition here at the Royal Obviously, but if he can do that, I think he can take a big step forward. And with with Fowler, he's, he seems really optimistic at the moment, doesn't he, in terms of the fact that he's really confident with the way the side's going. I think, obviously, being five games unbeaten helps, but I think, he, I think he believes Brisbane's in a really good spot at the moment. It's hard to disagree with him, given they're five games unbeaten. Yeah, exactly. I think it's, it's a progress that we're starting to see. I think last year... I hate to keep going back and comparing it to that, but the fact of the matter is, this is a side that you know has changed drastically in the last 12 months, from John Aloisi's resignation right up until where we are now. There's just so much that's changed, and for all the complaints about you know Dylan Wenzel not getting the starting uh, chance he needs, I think it was a good but not great performance. Like a lot of the flaws that we've noticed in his game, you know, he goes at 100 miles an hour. There's not a whole lot of nuance to the way that he plays. It works for him, and it does also show why he's still got a long way to go in terms of his development, but he does need that game time to try and work on those issues. I think that's the thing. It's game time. For all young players, it's definitely all about game time. How many games can you get between about 18 to 22, 23, somewhere around there? Because that's where you really do develop how much talent you're going to have. After that, it's about the experience you gain and how you can deploy that in the best possible situation. So it's this is a key time for any football. How much football can he get? And I think he has got a fair bit of time this year off the bench, which I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing because, it, again, it's, it's minutes off the bench and he's coming on in key points. I mean, the, the Wellington has a great example. If you can come on off the bench there and make a big impact, I mean, Enrique made a career of it at the Raw. I know he didn't like it, but he made a big career of it. So it could, absolutely can happen. This is a key point and I do, I do think he did well enough to potentially keep his spot next week. It's just Scott McDonald is here now and he did reasonably well at the weekend. You've still got Mersmeradovic in the in and around the side who, who's done quite well since he's been promoted. You've got the two Visa guys who who come with big CVs. So it's a lot of competition in that front third for the Raw. That's one thing that I'm actually kind of curious about, though, is how has Robbie Fowler brought it along from his days at Liverpool? Because obviously, when you look at the young strikers the Raw have, you kind of wonder if he's trying to bring them along the same way that he was brought on as a young striker. Because like, obviously, he was quite talented, you know, phenomenal career in the end and I don't think anyone will argue about that unless they're an Everton fan hi Adam but it is one of those things where I'm wondering is he trying to say alright this is how it worked for me I want to see if it'll work that way for you well it definitely could look like that because Dylan has he come off the ground uh, come out of the ground firing last year when he got the chance and this year he didn't really start to get a, that much of a chance this year but now he's come out of the blocks he's got a few goals and good performances he's got himself out there and showing Robbie Fowler what he can actually do and I think it's a great thing for them to do to bring out young players and show them they can prove themselves in the A-League. It's definitely true, because I do think, you think about what Robbie Fell has done, it's very similar to what he came through at Liverpool, because he came through alongside, not alongside, I think he came through a bit before Michael Long, but the two of them came through at roughly the same time, two young guys getting an opportunity, and both of them went on to um, have pretty good careers for themselves. One won the Premier League, one didn't, but 
I th- they both had really good careers for themselves, particularly I think in that early 2000s period for Liverpool, I think they won the three trophies in one year, I think it was. They did quite well. So I think that's a big thing that he's done. He's also used to having a lot of strikers in his squad. You think about the Premier League teams, all of them have four, at least four strikers plus one from the youth team pushing their way through into the side. So it's very similar the way he's set it up compared to the way it is in Europe. You've got to have four decent strikers to compete, and I think that's the method he's going with. It is one of those things that it does seem like it's the start of a two-year plan because obviously that's how long he's signed on for. So the key is the stability he's brought to the club this year. And apart from all I actually think that might be his best achievement so far. It definitely is. Stability was what was needed after the tumultuous season last year. A coaching change mid-year and then you go into the big player change into the year. I think stability was key. And I think that was the first thing that needed to happen. And he's certainly done that. Now, if you can kick on and potentially host a final, maybe win a trophy at some point either this year or next, probably next. But if you can achieve that, that's a fantastic story. Yeah, I definitely think he has looked like he's stable with the club a lot better than what it was last season. If you look at the season last season, just on results as well as the squads that we have all over the pitch, we have a lot better squad this year, a lot a lot more quality. And in saying that, they're sitting just around the six now, but if they can push up to the finals and then maybe potentially push on towards the top four and then actually challenge for a title, it would be a great cha- great achievement for him. Definitely. Well, there's a long way to go for the Raw, but um, we'll talk about some of the squad movements coming up now. I think that'll about do us for segment one. What do you think, Scott? Why not? Scott? Sounds good. All right. I was hoping you were talking to me, then you were looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a very visual-based podcast <laughs> yeah. on our end. All right, we're going to take a break, come back and have a very loaded news segment right after this. This is the Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. All right, we're back on the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Scott here with you this evening and very pleased that you're listening to us whatever time of day it is. Now, uh, segment two, we've got quite a lot of news stories to talk about, actually. Uh, we're going to start with a few squad updates, starting with left-back Connor O'Toole's departed Brisbane for Newcastle. And, well, I think we've seen this uh, coming... Uh, for quite a while now, Scott. Definitely. I think he's been out of favour for a while at the Brisbane Raw. I just think he hasn't been featured since, I think it was before the win against Melbourne City and back in at Dolphin. So it's been a while since since Conor O'Toole has played. I think the addition of Corey Brown just had to... Uh, someone had to go in that fullback area. There was a lot of options. There. You've got Jack Hingott, you've got Jake McGing, you've got Scott Neville who can play, you've got John Courtney Perkins who's injured. There's a lot of fullback options in there. I think he was he's the one they've chosen to move on. I think he had a pretty good... Good run at the Raw, obviously, but I just, it's, it was inevitable what was going to happen. Yeah, exactly. And I suppose it's one of those unfortunate things where that ankle injury that he picked up late last season does seem to have worked against him because essentially it gave Isaac Powell, Courtney Perkins... Oh, sorry about Isaac Powell. Yeah, him too. And uh, But it's given those two guys a chance to, I suppose, take over that mantle as a promising young left-back for the Raw. Yeah, it definitely did look like he made the, the spot his own when he did before he did get that ankle injury. But when he got that ankle injury, Jordan Courtney Perkins and Isaac Powell really stepped up this season and it sort of had him on the outer. So we did sort of think that it could possibly happen when we did have a lot of young left-backs coming through and now it's official. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. It just shows how much uh, game of luck football can really be. It is a good pickup for Newcastle as well because he's still a very good A-League defender. He's young, he's got improvement in him. He was just in the AFC Under-23 squad, so... He's highly he's highly regarded, so he's got he's not a terrible sign for Newcastle. It's just the Raw had way too many options at left back, and something had to give. Yeah, definitely. And you know, if there are any Jets fans listening to this, you, if you want to see exactly what Connor O'Toole is capable of, I think his best game for the Raw probably would have been 
not this season, but round five last season against Melbourne City, where he was just up and down that left flank and really key in both attack and defence. At least that's what I remember for him anyway. We'll go with that. Yeah, sure, why not? Some players that will be staying with Brisbane for a little while, though. Uh, first of all, Jack Hingott. He's signed an extension through the 2021-22 season, which I believe was confirmed on Friday? What day did we record last week? Tuesday. So Wednesday. Okay. It was the day after. So if we'd recorded on our regular day last week, that would have been part of last week's show, which is why it seems a little bit out of date. Yeah, it's just unlucky it worked that way because I think we had a few more signings that day as well that we'll get to soon. But yeah, it's definitely great to see that Jack Hingott signed on. Club captain the club the other week. Definitely a, like a, a loyal club player to the club and it's just yeah. a great player that we see locked down now. Five wins from unbeaten since he's been inside five results out of five. But he's about 100 games behind Matt McKayna. So that might be like a long-term goal for him. See if he can close that down because... He's, I think he's closing in on 200 now. He's only got Bro- Thomas Broich and Matt McKay ahead of him. So I think that could be a bit of a goal for him. If he ha- can stay in the side, you'd have to think, given the way he's played since his return from injury, he has a good chance of doing that. He could very well end up being the highest capturable player in two or three years' time. So let me get this straight. Unbeaten in his five matches since his return from injury. Did you get that stat from a certain um, crazy Jack Hingott fan who might live down in Adelaide at the moment? I might have, you never know. I can't divulge my sources on these things. Hi, Tegan. Anyway, let's hear from Jack Hingard himself. Yeah, yeah. So it's, um, yeah, as I've said before, it's uh, it's a long time to be, you know, off the pitch and away from your teammates and um, not being able to contribute is, uh, it's tough. It's tough, but um, yeah, I'm absolutely loving being back. As you said, being back for five now. So hopefully we can continue the continue the um, the little role that we're on here. And I'm feeling better each game as well with my um, with my match fitness and coming back from the injury. So um, yeah, as long as we can keep building from this, I'm, I'm sure we're gonna you know continue to grow and build going into the second half of the season. So that was um, Jack Hingott there talking about his return from injury. And you have to say overall, like. He's done quite a good job on the way back through, isn't he? He definitely has. He's been one of the world's best players since he's come back. He's added real stability on that right-hand side. He's been a decent threat going forward, but he's been a really solid defensive option. I think he's filled that role really well. We've seen Jake McGing play there, maybe not make that spot his own. Scott Neville play there, but he's been more required as more of a utility defender, fill in at left-back when required play, centre-back when required. So I think that spot is looking like it could be Jack Hingis for the foreseeable future. Well, you can't, you can't bench him. Yeah, well, he definitely goes well going forward as well as he's going back. He's also pretty versatile because we did see him play out on the, the left side of the defence as well. So we, we also saw him play at the centre-back last year as well when we had that Matt Mackay injury as well as uh, his own injury when he did his ACL. But in saying that, he definitely is a great player to have in our squad and we definitely need him to win. I definitely think that was an absolute needs-must scenario with yep, Jack yep. Hinger playing in the centre <laughs> of defence. I don't think that's his best role, but I think they had... A thousand defenders out at that point last year, didn't they? Yeah, that was... Yeah, as you said, that was a Matt Mackay centre yeah. game as well. <laughs> that was fun, that, though. I enjoyed that. Yeah, well, as I said, well, when we recorded straight after that game, it was, you know, the best and worst moment of that game was the look on Matt Mackay's face when he got told, you're going to have to go into centre-back to cover. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> and actually, they're playing Sydney FC again. They were too, that's right. Yes, it was. Anyway, let's uh, move on to a few more players who will be sticking around. Mirza Muradovic, Isaac Powell and Kai Truon have all uh, re-signed through the end of next season. Absolutely, three really good young players. We've seen, seen a couple of those players this year. Kai Truon hasn't played yet, but he's been right there in and around the mix. And I think he probably might get a chance at some point soon as the preferred young defender for Robbie Fowler at the moment. He's quite versatile, so I think it's three good additions to the Raw squad, adding depth to the to the side. There's some, there are some tremendous young talent in that I know they're not young raw players anymore because they're on senior deals, but there's some really good young talent in that raw side, young raw side, and they're they're three of the best. 
Yeah, and I think they'd better play them uh, before too long because I think there's a certain club down south that loves to poach ex-Raw players that might be looking for a new central defender. Yeah, well, we saw that happen with Jay Barnett this season, so hopefully they do get some more game time. And I'm, I'm a bit worried, to be honest, about Aaron Reardon because he hasn't really got a lot of game time. He looks like he's fallen down the pecking order too, that Kai Truen, even though he hasn't got that game time yet. But definitely great to see them tied down, at least to a scholarship deal. Merzah Morato have just been quality since he's come in. A little bit quiet the other game when he played, but Isaac Powell's definitely got a big future if he can get that spot fighting against against Corey Brown. I think is the one they definitely had to tie up. Given the way he burst onto the scene, you would imagine there would have been teams down south in New South Wales that really interested in bringing him back to, to New South Wales where he's from. So to lock that lock him up for the foreseeable future is a really shrewd move. Yeah, definitely. And um, just on Aaron Reardon, I think if we see Drew Sherman's... Um name in his call log, then we have to start worrying. I think if we see any Melbourne Victory officials north of the Tweed, we have to immediately uh, just panic. Just We have to detain them or something, because they're always <laughs> up to something. Detain it's, them. It's their, it's their primary recruitment strategy. We all know it. This is what they do. All all three teams, A-League, W-League, Y-League, maybe not detain them. That might be a bit strong, but they certainly love to poach players from Brisbane. Or just put them on the no admission list at Suncorp. I'm sure they're That might f- be better than detaining them, I'll give you that. That was a, that was a little bit strong. Well, unless Suncorp like, uh, becomes like the old uh, veteran stadium in Philadelphia that actually had a jail cell in the stadium. You never know. Yeah. Anyway, just a bit of uh, random US sports stadium trivia there. Over to the uh, W-League side now, and well, some great news for a couple of Brisbane Raw stalwarts. Katrina Gorry and Claire Polkinghorn have uh, been confirmed that they're going to be moving to Norwegian club. I wish I'd practiced how to pronounce this beforehand, but Avaldsnes. Sure, we'll go with that. Avaldsnes. Let's go with that, yeah, for the 2020 season, which will take place in the W League off-season. So, best of luck to Katrina Gorey and Claire Polkinghorne. Please come back, because I think we've all seen just how important Claire Polkinghorne can be. Yeah, well, Claire's definitely that. He's, she's a bit of a player coach this year and definitely gets the quota, the club going forward and making sure she gets behind the girls. But she's definitely quality at the back, even though she's getting on in age. She's definitely one of the best players that we have there. As well as uh, Katrina Gorey, fully fit now, back from her injury. We can definitely see what she's done and how good she is. I think of the entire squad, the one player you wouldn't worry about leaving at any point in the future is Claire Polkinghorne. She's just a Brisbane Raw through and through. And she's been here since day one, captain for almost all that time. It's a player that just you'd think synonymous with that Brisbane Raw W League side. So I definitely don't think she'll be leaving. And I would say Katrina Gorey probably won't be leaving either. It's a great opportunity for both of them because they need, with the way the Matildas are operating at a high level at the moment, they definitely need to be playing regularly all year round if you want to stay in that squad. It's, you can't. You can no longer just play W League, have a long off season, and go back to W League and expect to be a regular starter for the Matildas. So I think you have to play overseas at this point, and it's a good opportunity for them to play in the W League off season and be available for the Raw as well. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we do have a bit of an update on the Matildas qualifiers as well. The FFA just sent out a media release, and I'm sure it's all over. Twitter as well, but I can't multitask while we're recording. So um, apparently there is an update from Australia's Chief Medical Officer, Professor Brendan Murphy, regarding coronavirus. In essence, because of the you know threat of contagiousness, uh, they're exploring uh, the ramifications of the advice on how contagious it is and how it may affect the staging of the Women's Olympic Football Tournament qualifiers, which actually take place next week. So obviously there's a lot uh, up in the air about this at the moment. And I saw, I believe... Yep, an update from my football saying that ticket sales have been postponed until further notice. So it seems like this is going to get a lot more serious before it gets any better. Well, it's certainly a very serious situation, isn't it? Because given the seriousness of the virus thing, it's something they're really looking at. What's the best situation to make it safe for everybody to ensure that nobody contracts the virus in these in at all? If you can, how many you can avoid it? You, that's what they're trying to do here. And I think 
I think that's what is the hold up here. How safe is it for everyone to play? Is it what can they do to make it any safer? What can they do to make it easier and better for the players involved? I think that's the that's what they're working through at the moment. I think today they announced the games are going to be played at at Campbelltown Stadium in Macarthur and and at Bank West in in Western Sydney. So I think that's where the games are going to be played if they go ahead. But it sounds like they're reviewing that at the moment, James. Yeah, exactly. So stay tuned. Obviously, I'm not going to pretend to be a medical expert unless. Actually, I haven't done that in quite a while. The medical experts say it's dangerous, so we'll have to go with that. I'll trust the experts. What do you say? Yeah, definitely have to trust them. We don't want any players contracting any of these viruses, so obviously it will. If it does get moved around to where it is in Australia and it does get confirmed, obviously it's going to be a great thing for the Matildas to have that home fan and home support behind them, and definitely, hopefully, get them through qualified. But in saying that, we definitely don't want any players getting contracting that virus. Well, yes, and um, actually speaking of the game, so there, it was confirmed earlier today about the um, locations and kickoff times of the relocated tournament. So Monday the 3rd of February, uh, the games were going to be at Campbell, Campbelltown Stadium, um, China against Thailand at 4.30 Sydney time, and then Australia versus Chinese Taipei at 7.30 Sydney time. Um, Thursday the 6th of February, Chinese Taipei against China at 4.30, and Thailand against Australia at 7.30. I am just Ron Burgundying this, so I'm just reading what's in front of me. And then also, Sunday the 9th of February, Thailand versus Chinese Taipei at 3.10, and Australia versus China at, um, yeah, 6, 6.10. And I think they're the games that are at our Bankwest Stadium as well. Yes. The final round. Yes, exactly. Thank you for that. Um, what were you just trying to show me? Nothing. Oh, okay. Sorry, you, uh, you had your phone screen pointed towards okay. me, and I was like, have I forgotten something? <laughs> Yeah, so Scott's uh, Junior Junior is definitely not coming back after the recording experience he's had this afternoon, I think. We had a few issues, but I mean, it's still been fun. <laughs> yeah, you, you didn't really have to swear at me so much in the last break. But anyway. <laughs> if he, he didn't, I was going to, so. Yes, exactly. Um, quick W League update as well. Victory 3, Canberra nil. Brisbane now three points out of the ty- outside of the top four with three games remaining, which will uh, restart after the after international break. break. Yeah, it's a tough spot for the Royal Nelson losing Hayley Razo. To Everton, they're now a game behind Melbourne. I don't know if they have a buy or not coming up the victory, but it's going to be really tough to close that three-point gap because the Royals have got a really tough run in. Yeah. So uh, we'll keep up to date on that as well. And um, just one quick score update as well before we go back on to another story that I know you're itching to get to. Uh, that's Scott. Me. The regular Scott, not Scott Jr. Jr. Um, uh, Wild League score victory for Adelaide 1 so the Raw's Youth League title defence is over Sydney to play Melbourne victory in the grand final this week just one question on this how the hell did that victory side wind up making the grand final didn't the Raw beat them 7-0 oh bloody footy football is a funny thing to do <laughs> I mean it's just yeah we beat them 7-0 they beat them 7-0 and then it's just to see victory, I think, did they end up going through and winning with the negative goal difference, or did they turn it I, around in the end? I, it would definitely still be a negative goal difference, because yeah, they were minus yeah. seven after one game, but they were, in all seriousness, they were pretty impressive after that one game for them, so it might have been just a blip, but for the Raw, they dropped points at home to Melbourne City, they lost in Adelaide, drew in Adelaide, lost in Adelaide, I forget. Something like that. And yeah. they obviously lost to Melbourne Victory as well, so those three games, they had a chance to put the group away and just go to back-to-back grand finals. It just didn't quite happen for them this year. It's still a good campaign, and they've got some really good young players coming through who will no doubt shine in the MPL season, which kicks off in a couple of weeks. To answer your question, they got through with a plus one goal plus difference. Plus one, Justin. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah, so just to point out, the Raw's record this year, and just how unfortunate those drop points were, four wins, two draws, two losses, 22 goals scored, and nine goals allowed. Yes, I'm just yeah, reading wow. this now. Most goals scored, fewest goals conceded, and they miss out. 
That's football. Yeah. Although Sydney FC did score 37 goals, so you'd have to say from Conference B they probably deserve their spot. Conference yeah, B doesn't matter. Would, yeah. Yeah, they don't Sydney-centric ha- conference doesn't matter. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a Perth glory of uh, youth league conferences because they don't travel. <laughs> anyway. yeah, that bus trip to Canberra is, is grueling. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, now this is a story you wanted to get to, Scott, so I'll let you... Uh, I'll get in how quickly. I'll let you, I'll let you um, lead us into it. Okay, so it's a couple of quotes from um, Chris Fong via an article in Marco Monteverde last week in the... The first one, do you want to read through the quotes, James, or not? Yes. Okay. We wanted to take our time finding a new coach, and we made a decision with Robbie because we liked his plan and his thoughts. We also wanted to give someone an opportunity, and we wanted him to bring his con- uh, connections in, and it's worked. We're very happy with where things are going, and we've got a long-term plan. Well, kind of based on what we said in segment one, I get where he's coming from. And, you know, that uh, line there, we wanted him to bring his connections in. I think that kind of confirms a little bit of what we've suspected for a while, where there might have been some commercial uh, influences in making that decision. It's interesting one, because they said they wanted to give a young coach a chance, but they weren't ready to give an Australian coach a chance. So it's kind of it's kind of in like in opposition to itself to me there. So it sounds like they wanted a European coach. I think they, I definitely think they did want... As soon as Robbie Fowler put his hat in the ring, I think they looked at that and thought, yeah, that's the coach we want. We've, then they spoke to him, and it's... And, they all okay. It sounded really good, so I went with it. So I—that's the quote. I actually don't really mind. It's the second one I don't, I've got a bit of a problem well, with, but it—it it has worked out. You have to say it's—it's—it's it's, it's one of those that could have gone either way as a coach who hasn't got that experience. And that's the risk you take, but it's worked pretty well so far. As we said in the the first segment, he's stabilised the club quite well, Robbie Fowler, and they've hopefully have been potentially building towards something which could lead them back into the finals and potentially pushing for a trophy. So that's worked out quite well. It's the second one I got. A bit more of a yeah, problem with. We'll get to the second one in a minute. I just wanted to touch on this just a little bit because the commercial decision I totally get. Like the the A League is a competition that does need a bit as much of a boost as it can get off the pitch as well. And again, purely anecdotally, but when I was in Fiji back in November, the, the British people I talked to, them the first thing they knew about the A League was the fact that Robbie Fowler was coaching there. So that clearly brought them some sort of recognition. Yeah, it definitely is a big thing for the European-based um, teams, people that support over there, because Robbie Fowler is a massive name, and for him coming over and having his first coaching role, everyone was wanting to work out how the Brisbane rule went, and just to see them, see Robbie Fowler coming and coaching them, it does look like a lot of people are very interested in seeing how they, how it goes this season. Of course, now there is the onus on the Raw to try and convert them into proper fans, not just people who are watching because of Robbie Fowler, but... Look, I think we know enough people from behind the scenes at the Raw to say they've got people that can make it happen. They do have people that can make it happen, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And uh, that means we will be allowed into Logan for the next open training session, I think, after that. I hope so. All right. I don't think they've got our like the, our faces and names at the gate saying do not admit. At least I hope not. We've got like the once a dead or alive thing on there. So <laughs> <laughs> please, don't, please don't let me say <laughs> Maybe Adam. Don't, give them, don't give them any ideas, all right? <laughs> Maybe Adam, but that's why he left the country. Yeah. Anyway, oh, <laughs> and Scott just got scared by the dog. Hello. Uh, hey, all right, so the second quote that I know you've been itching to get to. Uh, on the lack of a marquee player, we don't feel like we're the right club to bring in a big-name player near the end of their career like Sydney FC did with Alessandro Del Piero. Now, these quotes, actually, both of them were from a story by Monto Marco Verde. Yes. M- Marco Monteverde. I Sorry about that, Marco. But, they were. Okay, so what's your issue with this? Well, it's, it hasn't been tested. They've never brought in a big-time marquee player to test this theory. I, you can argue Thomas Broich, Bessart, Bruchu, and Enrique, they played like marquee players. When they arrived here, they weren't well-known commodities that got the fans excited and 
brought additional fans through the gates just because of who they were. It was their performances on the field which led to that. And I actually look at some of the some of the crowd figures from players when they've done this. The two Sydney examples are the best ones. York's I think York twenty three thousand for there for that first game with him and the three three games Del Piero were here was here. They were all over twenty thousand as well. And that's well above the average of Sydney SC games up here in Brisbane, which is about seventeen thousand. So you can see the boost that having those two big names here brought to the to the crowds and also the the interest factor in the games, the publicity building up to it. All the news, all the news um, outlets were very interested in the fact that these these legends of world football were here on our shores in in southeast Queensland, and it hasn't been tested. So to say whether or not a club that can do that, it might work. It might be a financial issue. I don't know, but it to me it's something that should be seriously considered because the raw the crowds aren't they're not terrible this year, but they've been down on where they were three four years ago. So it might be something that gives them a little bit of a jolt and brings the crowd back as well. So I think it's something that should be seriously considered if you can find the right player. It's got to be the right player. You don't want some, someone coming here who's right at the very end of their career and doesn't want to put in the effort, doesn't really care about how it goes. You want someone who's invested in the project, and if you can find that player, I think it's something that could be, should be seriously considered. Ryan Babble confirmed. <laughs> Please. Yeah, I would love to see Ryan Babel, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, it definitely is a, a good thing to see where you have marquee players coming in, even if they are on the, on the outer of their age. But like we saw with Tim Cahill, he come to the to Suncorp, and we've probably the last we've had, 15,000-plus at a game. And it's just players like that that would bring players to watch the Raw. Hopefully they watch the Raw and enjoy what they're watching and stay if they were just to come for what watch a play. We did see with uh, Perth Glory being linked to Zlatan for that six-month period. That would uh, definitely bring a lot of bums on seats, but... That would have been the greatest thing ever to happen. It, it would have been, been pretty amazing. Cool. That would have been phenomenal, yeah. I think, I think we're all in unanimous agreement of that, but I suppose just to take the other side of that is... How hard is it to find a big-name player that is willing to come to Australia when they probably can earn a lot more money over in the US, over in any of the Asian leagues with a much bigger budget, or in um, the Middle Eastern leagues, again, with a much bigger budget, and then also to actually come in and put in that effort? I honestly think like the Australian sporting public is fickle. It's not a, something that's unique to Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, anything. Like Fans here love a winner. You look at the reason why the Broncos have done so well, it's because they won for, what, the first 20 years of their existence and built up that fan base. I think, above all else, every A-League club needs to basically just go out of their way to build a winner. Not a not a marquee player that, you know, gives all the Instagram hits and whatnot and the stories and everything, but that's something that's going to take a lot more time. And I accept that you do probably need the sugar hit from marquees, but I'd much rather see the Raw try and go out of the way to try and find another Barisha, a guy who might not be the most famous person, or uh, Thomas Broid, or that might be a little bit too much to expect. I would much rather see him try and find the player that is going to be, it's going to become that person that's synonymous with the A-League. Because you think of Thomas Broich, you think of the Raw. If they went and signed, uh, again, Ryan Babel, you're going to say, oh, that's right, he played for Liverpool and a bit for the Raw as well. If you're an Australian football fan, that's just my take on it. Yes, but... You're right about all that, but sports fans in Australia—they—they are—they do want a winner. They also like to watch the best. That's why a lot of football fans in Australia prefer to watch overseas stuff than the A League, which I think is ridiculous. But that's what happens. They prefer to watch things like the NBA or the NFL or the very best of the sport that you can watch. And I think that's—that's that's what the casual casual um, football fan would like to see. And I think if you want to bring those people into the raw and build your fan base, that might be something you have to look at. I'm not saying go out and absolutely do it, but if you can find the right player. I don't think it should be off the table. 
Oh, that's fair. And that's also where the connections of Robbie Fowler from the UK can come in handy. Yeah, we definitely did hear about the big Daniel Sturridge dreamer, which we definitely didn't think was going to happen. But I did also hear the Fox Sports podcast the other day. Uh, Simon Hill was talking to Daniel Garb, and they were talking about Fernando Torres being signed to Sydney FC, and it was almost confirmed when they had all the lifestyle and the choices that they could make, where they the uh, one of the players' wives were like looking for like gymnastic skills for his daughter to go to and all that stuff like that. But it come down to it, he got a $2 million offer extra from Japan, and that's sort of something that with the salary cut we just can't handle when it comes to the A-League. Exactly. There's a lot There's a lot that still needs to uh, work on there. All right, we've got a couple of stories that we do need to continue to get to very, very briefly. Most importantly, the Oli Roos. They're off to Tokyo. So they've done a terrific job qualifying for, first, qualifying for the first time since 2008. It's a it's a great achievement for Graham Arnold on the side over there. It was a pretty it's a pretty comfortable performance in that third-place playoff against Uzbekistan. I was watching that, and they scored a really good goal just after halftime from Nick D'Agostino, and then the red card for Uzbekistan really did finish the game off. They had a couple of chances late on when they were pushing, but by and large, it was a pretty comfortable one for Graham Arnold's side to book their place in Tokyo. Yeah, it's definitely great for the uh, the youth of today, for the Australia teams to get qualified for the Tokyo Olympics. They definitely grew into the competition. They might have had the, the best results and the most quality results, but at the end of the day, they got the results to get them to that third-place playoff. It was great to see that Arnold, um, he also went through and rotated the squad quite a bit, even though our own Connor O'Toole, which formally isn't now anymore, but formally, formally is, uh, uh, now is Newcastle Jets player, didn't get any game time. He was the only actual one, I don't think, but... Only that outfield he, player, yeah. Yeah, only outfield player, but he didn't get any game time. But it was great to see him rotating that squad. Interesting to see how he did rotate the squad with drop Tommy Deng out in that game that we probably should have won. If you look at the Tokyo as well, there's three players who can come back into this side who are age eligible. You can put Harry Sutar in. You, you stole Arzani. that question you right can, off the top of my tongue. You can put Daniel Arzani in. You can bring back Riley Magoo, whose suspension is finished. So adding in those three players makes that squad Im- immeasurably stronger, even if you don't bring in any of the three overage players you're eligible to do. But that... Just those three players in alone could make things quite interesting for that side. Cause it's about, it is about experience. It's also about some of these players haven't had a lot of tournament football internationally. If you want them to kick on to the World Cup, do you need as much international experience as you can get? And it's a big gear actually for Australian football. Now you've got the Copper America, the Oli Roos in the in the Olympics, and hopefully the Matils will be there as well. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, final point: NPL update. The Football Foundation Cup is this Saturday night. It, even though it's been such a long off-season, it feels like it's almost crept up on us. I'm really looking forward to that now. Now that it's been confirmed that the kickoff time is Saturday night, I'm very much looking forward to that. It's great to get it back underway. And it was it was a good game last year, actually, between Lions and Peninsula in the Football Foundation. It was Shield. awesome. It was. It was a bit of a, bit of a sh- shocker for Peninsula Power to get the result. I think we all thought Lions would, but they did really well, and it kick-started their, their first half of the year. And I'm not sure if Sunset Coast Wanderers can repeat that feat, but I definitely think it's going to be a good game. It's definitely great to see the local football back, and it's just like, I, I went down home today, and I saw all the drawers out, I went through on my calendar and put down all the games I want to go to, made sure I get to see every single club, want to see, make sure every single game I'm there, watching the game, watching the boys, and hopefully getting some great performances for the NPL. Yeah, definitely. I, I do agree. I think it's going to be quite a big ask for uh, Sunshine Coast to try and repeat Penn Power's stunner, but... Look, we've seen strange things happen. We should also point out, this is actually a standalone fixture, not part of round one like it was last year as well. So it's kind of like Community Shield over in England this time. It's tough to get a read on it as well, though, because Lions' traditional <coughs> pre-season tournament, the Silver Boot, the, I think it was heavily impacted with rain, so I don't know how the preparations are over there at Richland. I don't know what's happened with Sunset Coast Wanderers. I haven't heard from them too much over the pre-season. So this will be a really good test to see where both those sides are at heading into round one. 
Definitely. Well, the season proper kicks off uh, February Saturday, February 8th. And, um, yeah, we're looking forward to it. And we'll have the Brisbane Football Review and PL Queensland 2020 season preview due out at some stage this weekend. Hopefully. Yes, we're trying to chat to as many clubs as possible. I uh, actually just spoke to um, Captain of Strikers before we recorded here. So, lot to look forward to. We're going to take a break and then come back to preview the Raw's clash with Sydney FC in the A-League. We'll be back after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. It's the third and final segment of the Brisbane Football Review with James Scott and Scott uh, here for, well, the Brisbane Football Review. We haven't actually got any sponsors, but if anyone's out there listening, we'd love to have you on board because, well, even though we do this for a labour of love, I can't keep justifying this to my wife. Yes, we're here for ourselves and the audience as well, to be fair. Look, the bottom line is we we're, think we're here. Yeah, and we think we're funny and entertaining. That's that's the key. Uh, you think you're funny and entertaining. I don't know about either of us. <laughs> well, we as a whole. And yes, this may be Scott's last appearance because he's sitting here just with the look of what a couple of morons. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, a couple of quick plugs uh, as a reminder. We, uh, yeah, Brisbane Football Review at gmail.com. Send you any comments, questions. Brisbane Football, uh, the Raw Review on Facebook. And at BNE Football on Twitter. And uh, Scott, how can people get in contact with you? Because I usually do that for guests and I forgot to do that before. Yeah, uh, probably on, on Twitter, probably be the best way. Scott McCormick 3, but Twitter's, you know, can't have so many characters, so it's only one T and Scott. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Got, got a lot That Twitter. sums up Twitter in general. A lot of characters on there. Well, that and also getting abused for anything in, anything in general. Anyway, uh, third and final segment. Um, it's match preview for Sydney FC. Friday night, we've only got a 48-hour turnaround from when we're talking now to when the game kicks off, so we should probably get right to it. Raw, uh, well, let's be honest, didn't have a great trip to Sydney FC a couple of months ago when they got blasted 5-1, but I think it's fair to say there's quite a lot of optimism that this time it might be a little bit better. Yeah, well, we definitely can't do any worse than 5-1 then. Don't, uh, sa- don't say that. Do not say I, that. Well, I'm, I'm going to I'm... isolate that clip if it is in fact worse. <laughs> if it's any worse than that, then, oh my. <laughs> it yeah. won't be a good day. But, yeah, you definitely think on the form that we've had in the 2020 season so far that we definitely can do a lot better. In saying that, though, Sydney is a brilliant team, and if they turn up on the day, I wouldn't be surprised if we do get smacked again. But in saying that, the rule have definitely shown in 2020 that this is the team that is to beat because we've had they've had a really good season and a really good start to this year and hopefully the form can continue but it's it's coming up against a very good side in Sydney FC. Well, this is a really good test, isn't it, for for Brisbane Raw after the five game unbeaten run to, to test yourself against the best team in the league. Let's be honest, that's what they are. To test yourself against them is a tremendous opportunity and I do think they'll do better than last time because I think they'll be more they'll be more ready for the Sydney FC style of play. I think they're they're a fitter team now. They've got more players ready to play. And they're, just, they're more coherent as a team in terms of that gelling. It took a while to get things up to speed. They're a lot better now than they were going into the Sydney FC game last time. I can't see it being a 5-1 or anything like that again. I think it's going to be much closer than that. Can the Raw get anything out of the game? That's the that's the question. I'm not 100% sure they can, but I think they'll be, they'll be close. Yeah, definitely. And the big thing as well, uh, the chief destroyer of the Raw in that game was Alex Baumjohan, and he's suspended after picking up a red card in the Big Blue on Friday night. He's not getting that... Um, Withdrawn for good behaviour and community service and other, other such fiction. No, he didn't help any old ladies cross the road this week, but apparently Sydney FC just said, no, we're not going to appeal. Oh, well, there you go. So, well, he's unavailable, but I think, look, in fairness, they got they got a multiple 
they've got multiple players who can hurt you. Adam LaFondra has a great record scoring against the Raw. Costa Barbarousas was a real goal-scoring threat last year for Melbourne Victory against. I think he scored eight times in three games, so he's he's a regular threat to the Raw. And Milos Ninkovic is well, he's Milos Ninkovic. So they've got plenty of plenty of weapons to hurt you, even if Bamiyohan's not playing. And if he's not playing, somebody else will come in who'll do a good job, like Caceres or Bahaja. They'll have somebody available who can do a good job for him. Yeah, they definitely have a lot of strength in their midfield. Caceres even can push up into the number 10 role, so it'll be interesting to see if they do play the young Ryan Teague, which actually I think is linked to go overseas on a multi-million dollar deal, which is interesting to see that happen, because if Bratton was to leave, which was just confirmed that he won't, yep. because he was linked to the Roar in un- under Unfast... Un- 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 can't talk. He was linked to the Roar a while ago. Yeah, so it was... An- like, he wouldn't have been on the best terms if he was to come here because I think it was from something to do with his family. But in saying that, we don't get him this time. But he has shown that he is that quality player. And we did all think that Brilliante and now O'Neill being gone as well, that it could be a lot of a big test. But Caceres and Bratton have definitely stepped up and they have definitely have a lot of depth in their midfield. Yeah, they absolutely. And, you know, we should touch on that uh, Luke Bratton story very quickly. It seems like he's basically been given Brandon O'Neill's deal. It seems like it doesn't. He's got a new two-year deal, I think it is, from Sydney FC, so he'll be there for the foreseeable future. And they've got a, they're have got a really stable club right now. I don't. I think they've pretty much re-signed everyone they had off contract that they wanted to. They're not going to lose anybody to the new Sydney side, which was no doubt the goal for them. And they're really well set up now for the next couple of years, as long as they don't get... Some teams get stale when they're together for too long. But I don't think that'll happen for Sydney FC. They have moved on. Brillante, they've seen O'Neill move on. I'm sure they'll change something at some point going forward to keep things a bit fresh, but they're in a really good spot right now. All right, so we'll get we'll come back to the Roar on this, and I kind of want to ask the two of you, because I'm trying to process this in my head as well, if the Roar are to pull off a stunning upset, which they have shown the ability to do against Sydney FC, no less, how are they going to do it? I just hope that we have to maybe nick a goal in the start of the game and then hopefully hold on. But in saying that, Sydney definitely going to keep coming with their their goals and hopefully attacking. Their attacking force is amazing and it's just like we have to. The rule have to really defend really well and hopefully maybe get a point. Like if, it's, if we win one nil, I'll be happy. If we get a draw out of it, I'll be happy with that. It's just I, I definitely can't see us getting. The, I think you've got to week. try and hit them in behind to try and try and get, push them back a bit because they're such an offense first team and the way they push forward, they put a lot of pressure on you. With and without the ball. When they don't have the ball, their pressure is really impressive. So you've got to find a way to break that. I think that's where Dylan Wenzel-Halls could be a big impact player. If he can make smart runs, which you know he can, running in behind them, I think that's a potential avenue for the Raw to exploit. That would be what I would be looking to do in, in all seriousness. Looking to get the ball to him, running in behind the defence, and one-on-one with Redmayne. I think that's that would be the blueprint that I would be trying to do. And then defensively, you have to be solid. You have to have to get the midfield to be compact and limit the space for those wonderful attacking for Sydney SC have got. If you can limit the space to them and find space to the ones the halls in the front third, you might be onto something. But even then, you're going to have to play exceptionally well. Okay. First of all, with minimal seriousness, I think the key is going to be Wenzel Hall's playing with uh, Ryan, Ryan Grant's mullet. So oh, that was too serious for you. And in slightly more seriousness, yeah. I think it's, the other key is probably actually going to be capitalising on the defensive solidarity that they've had over the last couple of weeks. Like... Yeah, okay, clean sheet against the Mariners. That's act, that's good and bad, I suppose. The fact that like the Mariners can trouble uh, teams as well, but obviously it's still the Mariners. But I think if they, can, if they can try and frustrate Sydney early on and maybe get them pushing a little bit further forward, maybe having to overcommit on one flank, and then, as you mentioned, Scott, using Wenzel Halls' pace to try and get in behind them. I think that's the way that they're going to have to do it. 
if they win this game, it's going to be 1-0, 2-0, 2-1. I don't see it being, you know, a 4-3 game as much fun as that would be. It definitely would be great to see a lot of goals, but yeah, I just don't, I can't see that happening either. I think Sydney is just too good to be able to leak that many goals. And saying that, though, if we could score three goals in one game, you'd hope that we'd win. But in saying that, it is Sydney, so I wouldn't put it past them to score a lot more goals than we do. I just think set pieces could be massive in this game. The Raw have been really good on set pieces this year. I think Scott Neville's been a particular threat. So to me, I think that's an avenue the Raw might be able to explore as well. I'm not, not saying Sydney's bad on defensively on set pieces, but that the Raw have been so strong in that area. Maybe it's something they can exploit. And that might be another avenue they've got. If they can get free kicks in and around the box to put crosses in corners, that might be something that they can use as well. Yeah, exactly. Look, I, I think we're all hoping that the Raw can get something out of this game, but if you're being realistic, you know it's a huge ask because Sydney are far and away the best team in the competition so far this season, and there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. No, they're putting away the best teams quite comfortably. They beat Melbourne City quite comfortably. They beat both Glory quite comfortably. They're beating the top teams in the league quite comfortably. So for the Raw, who are building to something quite nicely at the moment, it's going to take... It, it'll, it'll take quite a miraculous performance to do so, but we've seen it happen before. You can't rule anything out. Um, the one thing that I actually did want to mention as well, so Tom Aldred in a media conference earlier this week suggested that the Raw should be wearing their Maroon kit in this one. What do you think, Scott? Uh, well, junior? It, <laughs> it definitely would be uh, the sort of thing that we have seen in the past few seasons with the State of Origin, and I think... We sort of have to see it. If we don't see it, what's the point of having that Maroon kit? So I definitely can see us lining up. And it, it does get that State of Origin type feel, even though it a lot of fans aren't really thinking that it's a big deal. And they, a lot of people are thinking that it's it's not the best thing for to see. See, we are wearing orange and maybe the white or the black. It's not really a colour that we've normally really worn for a long time anyway. But in the past, we did see us wear that orange uh, Maroon kit that we a lot of people don't really think that that was a very good kit. But in saying that... You're looking at me for a reason? <laughs> yeah, I feel like you've got a pretty strong opinion on what yeah. kit the Raw should wear. I, so yeah. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna tee it up and then I'm gonna just go get a drink and <laughs> probably go for a walk around the block. Maybe it won't take, take that the long. dog out. You sure? Yeah. We've got time to play with. Okay. Well I think the firstly the fact that Tom Aldred has said it, I think it's gonna happen. I wouldn't I think that that wouldn't have been said if it wasn't gonna happen. They've never worn it in Sydney, which would be an interesting perspective because every time they've worn it it's been a home game up here at Suncorp Stadium, and they've built it up quite nicely, and it has worked quite well as a as a marketing exercise. So I, I can definitely see it happening away from home this year. Again, you know my thoughts. I think that they should be wearing orange wherever possible. I don't know why they didn't wear it on Saturday in Gosford. I think they should be wearing it on Friday night in in at Colger against Sydney FC. I, mean, I do think they will wear it, but I again, I'm a traditionalist. You should wear your home kit as often as you possibly can, and that's just my view on it. I agree that they should wear orange as much as possible. However, the one thing I hate more than clubs bringing, you know, unnecessary kit changes is clubs bringing unnecessary kit changes and then only wearing them once. The Raw's nicest kit this year is probably their black special event kit, and they're only going to wear it once this season by the sounds of it, away to Adelaide. Now, you know, I, I would love to see them find a way to wear it in a second game maybe, but at the, with the way the draw's uh, constructed, the only other time that the Raw are going to wear their maroon kit will be the home game against Sydney FC, so if you're going to bring kits out, why not find a way to wear it more than once? Well, they've only ever worn the maroon kit once a year anyway, so it's not anything new in that sense. They only wore it once a year. They wore it against Sydney FC once a year is the only time they've... Uh, they've they might it, done it against the Wanderers, I think, but... They've worn it uh, against, in every home game against Sydney FC since the State of Origin concept came yeah. in. My only point is, that's kind of where you can see football fans getting a little bit jaded in that... You're going to go get this jersey, charge us 110 bucks for it, and then only wear it once. So, 
Like that, that I is think I wear it this weekend. I do think the fact that it's been said that we should wear it. And I do like the fact Tom Aldred is is um, embracing the culture up here in terms of the Brisbane, Sydney, Queensland, New South Wales rivalry. I do like that, and I do think they'll wear it this weekend, even oh. if I would wear the orange. Yeah, a lot of the players probably really didn't know what was going on when they had the orange, uh, the maroon kit, and then now knowing maybe a bit more about the culture, hearing about what happens with State of Origin in the Rugby League, that they might get a bit more behind actually wearing it and being that Brisbane and that Queensland culture maybe thinking this is a bit of a derby for us and even though it's not really an official one, it's Queensland versus New South Wales and, and saying that maybe they want to get behind that and might push the players to maybe get that result. It's as close to a local derby as we've got at the moment. You don't count Newcastle as local? A bit 10-hour drive. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is interesting because it, it is funny because the Raw had to have a lot of players from Queensland obviously but they've also got players from New South Wales and overseas which is... I do wonder how the New South Wales warm players do feel about wearing the maroon kit it's an interesting one do we really want to get into that state of origin eligibility debate because um, I'm pretty no. sure both Queensland and New South Wales <laughs> have picked players uh, who were born in Suva which is definitely not part of Queensland and absolutely not part of uh, New South Wales I don't really care about selection process for origin to be honest with you no no I'm just, just more like you can yeah. buy into it and have a lot of fun anyway yeah so I suppose just I want to see them wear kits more than once if you're going to bring it out wear it but there's no point saying, oh, it's a special event kit. And that may be partly influenced because, again, I think that black kit... It is a good kit, isn't it? Oh, God, That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. They, they need to find a way quality, to... quality, yeah. Yeah. And I'm still not a fan of that all-grey kit. I think they need to change the shorts on that. Just make the black kit the away kit and away you go. Yeah. Yeah, funny thing on that. I know a lot of people was trying to search up the away kit when it first came out. And then it's like, no, it's the fourth kit. It's just like, why do we need a fourth <laughs> kit for? Well, I've said this before and I'll say it again. You have your traditional home kit, you have a light away kit, and a dark away kit. You sold, you sorted for every possible occurrence, and yeah. Anyway, that's enough uniform talk. Let's get into our predictions for the match. Scott, this time next week, we're going to be talking about... About they're all putting in a gallant effort but falling just short against Sydney FC. Okay, Scott Jr. Jr., what are we going to be talking about this time next week? They're all just falling short after a brilliant performance from Sydney. And this time next week, I think we're going to be talking about the raw... Blowing a late lead in the 80th minute. Oh, that won't, you that had to lower the mood, heart. didn't you? <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. I, I was trying to go a little bit different, and I was like, uh. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, we'll see how that all plays out. But anyway, I think that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Jess. Also, we're talking about the NPL, which kicks off next week as well. I should have said that. That should have been my answer. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was actually thinking about setting that up as a joke, but I kind of, kind of bailed out on that at the last minute. Anyway. Scott Jr. Jr., thank you very much for your time and uh, your debut debut podcast appearance. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. That's right. We might have to uh, get you back on at some point later this season. I'm pretty sure Adam's going to be gallivanting off to another continent before too long. We haven't sold him yet. No, not yet. But more to the point, Grace is getting through without swearing. That's a great start. I was almost there at one stage. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I think uh, we'll try and find that isolated clip and um, make sure we play that next week. But... Yes, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, Get out and enjoy the football this weekend, if you can. Obviously, the uh, Football Foundation Cup... That'll also, I'm pretty sure, be broadcast in some way, shape, or form through Football Queensland as well. And, um, well, normally this time on the podcast, I'll be saying go Patriots in the Super Bowl, but they're not. So I'm just going to stick with happy birthday, Thomas Broich, and go Raw.